0: All right, you're ready for this podcast, Peter. Let's do it. For those of you that don't know, go to venturecapital.fm so you can find all of our social links right there for you. And this is going to be streamed on YouTube and also on Spotify, Apple, and the major the major podcasting platforms.
1: Yeah, and if you like this one, we have a couple others you might like too. Maybe somewhere in the attic. Maybe.
0: Maybe. All right, so powerset.co so jonathan swanson founder of thumbtack jake zeller who pioneered angel of syndicates have launched a new fund but it's a different type of fund and i wanted to just kind of discuss it give it some see what your thoughts are about it as a vc but their basic thesis is or is based on a question is are founders better investors than vcs And if I look at my own experience, if you look at um, Paul Allstrom, he used to be at vSpring. vSpring's not around anymore, but they used to have this contest called the v100. And the v100 was based on, it was peer-to-peer voting, founders voting on other founders. And he says, if you would have taken the top, for the the seven or 10 years that they did it, the top 10 founders every year and would have written them a check, he claims Paul Allstrom, claims you would have one of the highest performing funds based on that model and their data so he's starting again with the win 100 peer-to-peer vc you know voting yep yeah what are your thoughts on 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 this model and he's got some bullet points we can go through yeah so,
1: so basically what they're giving so founders I, like a million bucks yeah, to so invest
0: you get to apply to be a, to have a fund so i could reach sure. i could text jonathan hey give me a million bucks to yeah. invest and if it goes well they have an additional 15 million locked up for follow on future funds. So they're basically kind of like anointing these founders to be kind of, you know, angel investors. Yeah,
1: look, I mean, it's an interesting idea. It's not a new idea, right? Mm-hmm. You could argue that Sequoia Scouts, like way back in the day when they kicked that program off was effectively the same thing, Yeah. right? They were basically saying, hey, to all these founders, like here's some money, go scout some deals for us, right? And you can invest. Off our balance sheet or out of our fund, um, and you know, like we've we've even talked about this, how like some of the best the best possible entry you can get to a VC is from one of their portfolio companies, right? The mm-hmm. founders. So yeah, I think I think on the one hand, like founders tend to be able to identify other like minded, you know, people uh, that are you know have a high degree of likelihood of success, right? I think that's true, um, you know whether or not founders want to spend a chunk of their time hunting for deals doing the due diligence on those deals just because like you meet somebody doesn't mean that like it's going to be a great company or great investment right Mm -hmm. um so you know i mean those are those are some of the challenges um i'd be curious what their criteria is for selecting founders my guess is that it's primarily going to be founders that have kind of already arrived if you will. Um, and so then it kind of begs the question too of, well, are you just like providing capital to these individuals that otherwise would be angel investing anyways? Um, no, so I don't know. Right. I think it's, like I said, I think it's an interesting idea. It's not, not a particularly new or novel idea in a lot of ways. Um, okay, we'll see what their fund performance ends up looking like. Right. Cause Part of it is they've got to pick the right founders and they've got to make sure those founders stay motivated to actually invest, right? And then they got to track all these portfolio companies and continue to invest and support them over time, Um, which also sounds kind of like a headache of trying to manage all of that. Mm I mean, it's definitely like a full-time job. And then, you know, what's what's the incentive for the founders to, to really take this seriously and, and dive in, right? It's like, great, like a million bucks. You know, it's kind of like I'm playing with somebody else's money. Does that create any sort of misalignment, right? Where it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's not my money, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if they want to give me some free play money that I could just like throw at, you know, founders that I think are kind of interesting, then great. Um, so I don't know. And look, I've... I, I will always take meetings from my like founders in my portfolio, but um, I have turned down a lot of companies that they've sent my way uh, as well. So mm-hmm. it's not just because like a founder likes another founder doesn't mean it's a slam dunk deal either. So
0: true. What are your thoughts on like a, a voting mechanism like the V one hundred? Like so, let's say you and I started a fund tomorrow, which we're not. We're not starting a fund tomorrow, but we we found founders who have had a success. Mm -hmm. say their company does more than a million arr yep and if they do that they get 10 tokens a year that can be towards an investment they would get a very very small kickback
1: so but why would they do it like why invest the time and energy like people people the v100
0: was probably the most popular tech event with no capital attached now attach capital to it it might go to a much higher level of authenticity
1: yeah maybe but the, v, the V100 also occurred like almost like pre-internet <laughs> in a lot of ways. Technically not the pre-internet, last, but like pre-social, right? I got
0: Instagram posts with me and Dallin, Dallin Allred, yeah. Austin Allred's brother, and Garrett G's brother at the V100, the last V100.
1: Yeah, but I guess my point is like it was a slightly different world back then. So you think then. it wouldn't work now? It could work. I I don't know. Like. Okay, here's 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 my thought. Like the V100 worked in Utah because Vspring at the time was like the one of one of if not the biggest game in town from a VC perspective. Yeah. So everybody like it carried a certain level of prestige that I think is hard to replicate. If Sequoia came around and said we're going to do the Sequoia 100, I think that would be super successful, right? But I think if it was like the John Bradshaw Venture Fund, you know, 100, I think, no offense, I think that would be more challenging. Until you built up like a really strong brand and mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, I want to participate in this because it's prestigious. So and Peter, I'm hoping that like I get up in that rankings that, you know.
0: I think you're prestigious and I think this is something that you and Tom should noodle on. All
1: right, fair enough. We're
0: there. Set aside million, two million a year as prize money for this competition. Break it up for the top 10. Well,
1: I'm very flattered you think that I'm a big deal. but
0: And I th- and I, let's let's see how, you've got a couple million you can go burn. Let's see how this works. Two million for the next That's five exactly years. That's exactly what my LPs want to hear.
1: Yeah, we're going to just like burn a couple million dollars. I'm sure on.
0: Paul Ostrom would give you the first two.
1: <laughs> well, Paul's going to see this competition, right? Because he's got his win 100. Just
0: find a way to cut him in. <laughs> he, d- he didn't invent the 100 thing.
1: Yeah. There's a bunch
0: of 30 under 30, 40
1: under 40. Yeah. But the key to this is that you're using like successful entrepreneurs to identify other successful, that, that like the next, yeah the next wave of successful entrepreneurs to be fair i didn't belong at the v100 but somehow i got voted on and you belonged
0: and my critique of the of the win 100 Wasatch innovation network is that the people i think that should have been there weren't
1: yeah Yeah, why weren't they there
0: i think it, it takes a couple years for a program to kind of get ironed out yeah and to build a reputation
1: i think the other thing too though is like more and more it's like uh the people that are really like Making it happen, they don't go to those events because they're too busy cranking, right? Yeah, okay. that's. Well, they make it five million. There we go, problem solved. Like the people that you know that have like those events are typically like you know people that are trying to like network and like think they're hustling, but they're not actually like building. Weren't you at an event today?
0: You know, yes, I was. Thinking you're hustling?
1: No, I was there to support one of my the company I sit on the board of. So.
0: Can you name the name?
1: Uh, yeah, I sit on the board of City Labs. Okay. They were uh, number 16 on the Utah 100 fastest growing companies. Very, okay. very proud of what they've built. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I was there to be supportive and, and, and get some lunch. So yep. it was good. I think the
0: biggest question I got asked today is, who are you with? And I'm like, can I not just come on my own? <laughs> yeah, I don't get that at other events. They're like, who brought you? How did who brought, you get in? Who who let this
1: character into the doors? A
0: bottle, of overpriced lunch for 150 bucks. What what's up, guys?
1: Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, it had. Three but look, courses. like for you and your business, like being at those events makes sense, mm-hmm. right? Because your business is all about meeting those types of companies and like getting them to hire your code base, right? Yep, I sat right next to but the. I'm guy talking from like Overstock.com. Hey, like I've got this new app that I'm building. But really, like I'm at this conference all day long, like watching speakers and stuff, instead of being in like my office, cranking on actually building the app and getting customers and everything else. Okay, Mm -hmm.
0: why don't you start a syndicate? Can you do a syndicate on the side?
1: No, because I run a venture fund. Why don't you? Can you stack your funds more? What do you mean stack? Like raise more funds quicker? Yeah, theoretically, yeah. Why not? Um, I don't know. We probably will. Okay, I'd like to to see that.
0: You got to keep up with uh the latest. What's the biggest fund? What's the biggest VC fund in Utah right now? Is it Album or Kickstart? Uh, the
1: biggest, I, I think, is probably Pelion. Pelion. How much is Pelion right now? No, no. I know they're they're raising or just closed a fund recently. You know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Pelion anymore because I got reached out by a partner at Pelion. They're like, this, this was not true. What you said on the podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it wasn't public, so it wasn't technically true. It was like the rumor on the street is they hadn't done a deal since February. It turns out they had done a deal in June, and I was posting my July first is that they hadn't done anything since February.
1: Ah, uh, yes.
0: So I I deleted the LinkedIn post. Podcast is still out there. So you got slapped. I felt he offered to buy me lunch the the partner from the firm. So that's okay. I should take him upon it. Then no, I'll know if it's good. You should. I was waiting for you because then we could just podcast and do lunch at the same time. Great. All right, Peter. Well, thanks, guys. Let us know if you have any more questions. Go to VentureCapital.fm. Hey, let me yeah. ask
1: you, though. If you were a founder, would you be more inclined to take money from another founder in this, like, fund structure or from a venture capitalist?
0: Um, I'm going blank in the head. I mean, I, I just feel like the amount of time it takes to fundraise mm-hmm. that I don't know how big that founder's pockets
1: are. Yeah.
0: Although it would be nice to to be anointed by, like, two or three people who are like, hey, here's 50K.
1: Yeah. So Josh James comes to you and he's like, here's 50K.
0: Yeah. So like uh, when it, early this unrated. year when I was trying to raise for appointment.com, I said, I'm going to try to raise 250,000 here in, this, in Utah and then go to Silicon Valley and use yeah. that 250 as a signal of, hey, here's a good deal. Yeah. At that same time, the market crashed. Maybe, you know, just whatever happened, we decided to pause. And I think it would be nice to have someone like that with a check. But I, you know, most of my founder friends, I'm assuming no matter what their car they're driving, that they're all probably broke. Yeah. And I just don't ask them for money. Yeah. So unless they're published on a list, I wouldn't know who to go after. Yeah. But then, you know, and then the other thing is, is a lot of angels right now, I think are teaming up with syndicates because there's less work involved and it's easier for them to do deals. But I'm a believer you should avoid syndicates to lead. And that could just be outdated or. A biased opinion. Actually, what do you think? Should a, a founder have a syndicate lead? Uh, Well, if they have no other options, then yes. But is it ideal? No. What about McKay Dunn? Would you let McKay Dunn lead your deal? And I would say yes. Based on he's come out, he left Signal Peak and has come out swinging and has done several seven-figured investments. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I would look at him as a very different SPV.
1: Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, the, the big challenge with SPVs and syndicates is like the risk of the party round, right? Um, And look, I I like McKay a lot and I agree, like he's running something slightly different, but there is some risk that like what happens when the company that he backs stumbles and they need more money? Mm -hmm. He's got to go back to his LPs, or not, not his LPs, his investors and his syndicate and convince them to put more money in. Whereas if he had a dedicated fund, he could just say, like, hey, I've got, I still have high conviction here. Blah blah blah. Like, we're doing this, and With, there's that isn't that risk that he wouldn't be able to raise it.
0: With McKay done, isn't this? Is do you see the SPV as a stepping stone to a fund, or do you think he's just going to? do I mean, it? I
1: think that's a better question for him than me. Like, What's your gut, uh, and, like my gut is that maybe funds can, make
0: life easier. It's not like you don't have to herd cattle every time. You just exactly once every five years, raise another fund, give them their up quarterly updates, go slay the dragon.
1: Yeah. And look, you can take more risk and stuff. Like if if I have to go out and I have to convince all of my LPs on every single deal that it's going to be a home run success, like there are always going to be some LPs that are like, I don't buy this, right? Or I'm not comfortable with the risk or whatever it might be. And so it, it makes it harder to have consistency on like funding deals, right? But if they're all in the fund and they're basically saying like, I trust you, Right. That I can do things that are a little more risky that have the potential to generate a higher payoff, based on like you know the amount of conviction I have and like my own expertise and diligence and so on and so forth. I don't have to convince them. All right,
0: I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah, in the venturecapital.fm multiverse, did you see what I did there?
1: <laughs>
0: you are now the CEO of Appointment.com. Okay. McKay Dunn offers you a million dollars as a syndicate. Do okay. you take it? Do
1: I have any alternatives? No. Then yes. And you, that's what I said at the beginning. If you if, have alternatives. If you don't have any alternatives, yes, take the money because... Album offers you a million dollar check. Or McKay Dunn. Yes. Um, like all things being equal, I probably lean, towards more, lean more towards a fund than a syndicate. Okay. Because of the reasons I just described.
0: And we've got friends at both funds. And I think I was with McKay today. I think he's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I agree. I think he's a great investor.
0: Okay. What other scenarios should I give you that the listeners would be asking?
1: Look, I think what I do want to say, though, is one of the things you have to be careful with syndicates is this idea of a party round where like, and this is an area where I think McKay is different, is McKay comes in, writes a big check, takes a board seat in some cases, right? Like. Um, he operates like a traditional VC. Uh, I think some syndicates, it's like, it's like, hey, I like this deal. I'm just kind of shopping it. We're all going to kick in some money and we'll let it ride and see how it goes. But when like, you know, it hits the fan, who's really responsible at the end of the day? And is the person that's like pulling the syndicate together really that person that's going to be there in your corner helping you build blah, 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 blah. And in many cases, they're not. Yep. right? And I think that's, that's kind of the downside or one of the downsides and risks of a syndicate over a fund. But I would over, argue that over McK- a fund. McKay would be different than a lot of syndicates. That's what I just said is that is, I think he, hey, I'm he low is asleep, different than a lot of those. All
0: right. We better just end this right here because it got awkward. Because
1: <laughs> you're not listening to me. It's okay. I'm low on sleep. Wake up. Wake up. All right. You, you got to get ready for your trip tomorrow. I do. I'm flying to Atlanta for Venture Atlanta.
0: What is Venture Atlanta? Wanna give it a shout out real fast?
1: Uh, it's a big tech conference. How in big is Atlanta. this tech conference? I don't remember. I think it's like seventeen hundred people or something. I could be off on those is it numbers.
0: Thursday and Friday.
1: It is uh Wednesday, Thursday. Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. It's the biggest uh tech conference, I believe, in the southeast. So Okay. A lot of funds, a lot of entrepreneurs flying in from all over. Okay. Uh, and then a you know, a lot of locals. So, should be fun. Uh went last year, it was a great event. Probably one of the better conferences I've been to. Um when you go to a conference for this
0: one? Going to the
1: conference? Uh like do I sit down on the panels? Rarely. I'll say okay. I just sit in the lobby and talk to people. That's what I do. Yeah. I think it's honestly what kind of most people do. I mean, talk, you know, I did kind of bash people that go to conferences, but the flip side is what is nice? I, I don't know. I think if you're like I'm very biased. I think if you're sitting in the panels, you're kind of missing out on the whole point of the conference. And the whole point of the conference, in my opinion, is that they have created this event as an excuse for everybody to come together and meet in one place. And because everyone's all together in one place, it allows you to be super efficient and meet tons of people very quickly and like have spontaneous connections and ideas and all these other things that come, come, come about because of it. And so if you're just sitting by yourself in the auditorium or you know whatever uh listening to panels like you might pick up some tidbits here and there but you're missing out on like the big network opportunity that's happening just outside the doors
0: so maybe for our venture metaverse venture capital.fm world we should create a conference that just does just that it's a conference without without speakers
1: yeah well so there's a there's a vc david hornick um who actually launched a conference called The Lobby. Okay. Um, he actually was at August um, Capital, left August and launched a new venture fund called Lobby VC uh, based on his conference. But the idea behind Lobby was that very premise, which is that like anytime he went to conferences, he just hung out in the lobby the whole time and just talked to people. And so he's like, well, what's the point of like all the panels and dinners and blah, blah, blah. Like if all I'm doing is like hanging out in the lobby, what if we launched a conference called The Lobby and... We don't have panels we have like uh, icebreakers and networking and he he made it like this super exclusive super high-end event where like only 300 people were invited Mm -hmm. and um you could kind of pick and build like the ideal audience for whatever the topic of that conference was so maybe it was like this year we're going to talk about fintech and who would find like all the leaders in fintech. And then it would be like this honor to get invited to this conference it was super exclusive and blah, blah, blah. I think something like that would actually be super fun.
0: That'd be awesome. Metaverse, venturecapital.fm should do it.
1: Yes. Or maybe just venturecapital.fm should do it.
0: A little bit early, a little bit early.
1: Come on, swing big. All right, we'll do it. Sounds good. All right. Thanks all right. for joining us for the Venture Capital podcast.
0: All right, we'll see you soon. Go to venturecapital.fm and we'll
1: talk to you later.